welcome to the Music Teacher Coffee Talk podcast. I'm Carrie. And I'm Tanya. We are both elementary music teachers who love to talk shop, preferably over a steaming cup of coffee. This is episode number 11. Today we're talking about professional development and lifelong learning. We'll also share highs and lows from our school week, a work smarter, not harder teacher tip. And in our CODA section, we'll give you some specific recommendations of our favorite things in and out of the music room. So grab your beverage of choice and let's get started. share some high notes and low notes from our school week but not this week because it's spring break yes it is monday we're drinking coffee in the middle of the morning yes we're having a morning session it's crazy it's lovely Um, yeah um but we're going to share some high notes and low notes from our way back when way back when when all the way last week (laughs) um actually mine is a uh well it's a low note that i'm going to change into a high note kind of thing and and really this is not um student related. This is my room related. So I've, I've been in my same music room. Um, this is my 20th year at this school. Wow. And um, this is awesome. I love my room. I've got these awesome cabinets. Uh, I've even got a, like a back little storage slash office area that I don't really use as an office any longer because it shares a wall with the cafeteria. And during my planning is when there's lunch going on. It's kind of loud. But I have been using it as um, storage, which is the nice way of saying a big old dumping ground. Uh huh. We all have and, those um, places. Yeah. So I've been. It's been like an anxiety lately. Well, it should have been an anxiety for much longer than it has been. That um, I've just got piles of stuff. Yeah. But it's not just there. I've also got in the cabinets. You know how things just accumulate. Oh yeah. You don't have to get to it, and so you don't. And um, for several years, I've always tricked myself into thinking, oh, when I come back in August, I'll tackle all this, that, and the other. Well, in August, you're just anxious to, like, get things on the walls, yeah. get things going for the first days of school. And so your mind's not into this maybe more detailed organization and, um, you know, right. purging stuff. So um, I have been uh, going in. This is the Monday of spring break, so we have this whole week, but... So I went in on Saturday and I went in on Sunday to school and I'm trying to make some room and purge some stuff. I was very fortunate um, to have some brand new ORF instruments purchased for the music room. Nice. Yeah, but they've been in boxes for a week Uh huh. because I don't have the room. So I'm just trying to make things work. Um, over on my uh, Tanya Teaching Music Facebook page, I've posted a couple of videos <laughs> of... Uh, my progress and and really this is my accountability for me because I know what kind of person I am and that if I put it out there to the world at large or at least the Facebook people at large or at least the 10 people who go on my Facebook page on there I know that I will like revisit and I'll feel the pressure of oh my gosh I have to get it done because I've shown lots of befores and now I need to show an after that's awesome. So that's my low note that I've been trying to change into a high note. And um, so is it done? Are you kidding me? No. <laughs> uh, it is so not done. Um, that's that's awesome. If You're keeping you, it real, Tanya. Yeah. Um, right now, there's like huge piles on my floor. Yeah. Which I can't do during the school day because, right. you know, there's kids coming there's in. kids who can't I need piles. more than 30 minutes at a time. Unless you incorporate them into a movement activity. 
Yeah. Every time you hear a high note in the piano, you jump over one of the piles of yeah, papers. Yeah, that sounds dangerous. Very Delcro's. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think the Delcro's people would appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, that's not very artistic. But yeah. no. Is anyway, I'm I'm gonna be posting um some more videos. Okay. I'm trying to make them short and sweet. I didn't get much sleep on Saturday night because uh, after going there Saturday and like see, it's like seeing the little tip of the iceberg or seeing the elephant's tail and not knowing that, gradually coming to the understanding that it's this huge thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and once you start working on one thing, it opens that Pandora's box to another thing. Yes. So I'm going to yeah. do what I can do. I have some goals here and um, I'll be going to school tomorrow. We're going skiing on Wednesday and Thursday. Awesome. Um, but, yes, so I will keep you posted. And now that it's out there in the world. I you will, have to finish it. I have to finish it. I'm going to show you some lovely before, after pictures. Yeah. And they will not be stock photos of other people's things. Good. Good. My own stuff. <laughs> anyway, so that was a long-winded um, low, maybe eventually high. But tell us about your um, <laughs> Week. Well, my week before spring break was a total blur. I was only at school Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday because then I got to go to the OAKE National Conference, in which Oklahoma we're going to be City. talking about in a little bit. Hooray! So, um, and then on top of everything, I had a concert Wednesday night. I just did a little informants with my third graders. Which that's that, what you like to do. I drive myself nuts. So it's like I finished the informants, and then afterwards, I was at school till like eight o'clock making sub plans. That's not even related to my high note or low note, but what I was going to say was the performance went really well, by the way. That was Yay. a high note for sure. But um, I think it was Wednesday. I don't even remember which day. It might have been Tuesday, but it was one of those days where like everything was going wrong. So I start my night day with sixth graders and we're just wrapping up our guitar unit. It's like the last week of guitar and not a child, but me. I drop a guitar and totally cracked the body of it. Oh I mean, my. we have been playing guitar for two months now and the last week of doing it I have to be the one Mrs. Nicholas what did Mrs. Nicholas I, say about taking care of the guitars yeah I'm just happy I didn't let out a bad word when it happened because you know filter um but the students I mean it was just this hilarious like gasp and they look over and I'm like yep that was me like I dropped the guitar and broke oh, it. so man. now I'm sad about that and then not even two minutes later I look over well I had a, a sixth grade girl come up to me and go I think some coffee spilled on your desk, and I look over in my entire travel mug of coffee, which I'm usually pretty good about closing the lid when I sat down. Apparently, I did it. Maybe it was because oh, I dropped no. the guitar. Spilled over my entire desk. Oh, my. And my lesson plan book was soaked. My whole desk was just sticky because I put some, you know, fancy frou-frou stuff in my coffee. So it was just oh, like, no. are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> crack the guitar, coffee everywhere. And then I swear something else, but now I can't even remember what it was. It was just one of those days where, you know, you just want to, like, start over. Oh, but, man. You know, Too much coffee. Power through. Yeah. I know. And I don't know what I was more sad about, the fact that it made a mess. <laughs> or that it was gone. the fact that I didn't have coffee. I was oh, I like, know. But now I need the coffee. I'm usually more sad about the loss of coffee. I think I really was, to be honest. But that was just a, a low note of bad things happening I to have me. A, a dulcimer book that... Jill Trinka dulcimer book that's yes. really not published. Yes. That I bought from a workshop she did for Rocky. Yeah. A long time ago. Do you yes. have that one? I do. It's got the pink cover. Yes. Okay. I well, love that book. the edges of that book on one corner, coffee soaked. Yeah. And not soaked, just you know, there's it's obvious there's coffee in. Yeah. I'm like, this is this is so sad. Yeah. I mean, this is a not not, and she signed it, of course, because right. I had her sign. I yes. asked her to sign it, and she was sweet enough to do that, and. 
I'm like, okay, here, here's this wonderful resource I have. And it's yeah. got coffee all over it. At least it's not wine. Or would True. that make it better? Um, <laughs> I don't usually wine when I play the dulcimer. But that does sound fun. Yeah, maybe we need to have like a little meetup. Sip and strum. Sip and strum. Totally. We've been talking about that for a long time, actually. We have. We should make it happen. There was a chapter, uh, uh, a Kodai chapter. Oh my gosh, who was it? I want to say Seattle. That they were doing... They were doing something like that. They were doing something like that. All right. To think about for the future. Right. Now it's time for our main theme, and today we thought we'd talk about professional development and lifelong learning. Um, Carrie, coming off of the Oak Conference in Oklahoma, um, is going to tell us a lot about I was not able to go, go this, this year. year. I will be there next year Yay. in Ohio. I'm planning on it. But um, And there were so many wonderful videos and, and you know, Facebook posts, and I felt Kind of like I was there. Yeah. Um, but, boy, what a wonderful thing to be able to attend. And so Carrie's going to give us some uh, highlights from the conference. And we're going to talk about the need for our own professional development, being a music teacher, kind of being, um, you know, on you're your the own only, island. You're on your own <laughs> island. And so when we get these professional development opportunities, it's such a wonderful thing to be able to participate. And you yeah. get so much out of it. And let's be honest, it's unfortunate that for us as music teachers, it does come upon us giving up our own time and our own money. And, our own money. and it's not, it's not easy. And I know, especially when you're a young teacher starting off, you feel like, you know, A, I just really need my Saturdays or I really need mm-hmm. my weekend to, to, you know, decompress from school, to go do something that's non-school related. And yes. I get that. And also the money thing. I mean, yeah. you're not making a lot of money as no. a young teacher. You don't make a lot of money as an older teacher. No. But that's a whole other topic. But, um, you know, if you can can make it a goal for yourself to attend at least one Saturday workshop a year yes. in the beginning and then maybe work your way up because the, the time that you invest and the money you invest, I, I cannot stress enough how much it is so well worth it. Right. And it's so much different than... I mean, it's great that we have these blog posts and we have things on Facebook and Instagram that we can see what other people are doing, but it's not like learning it live. Not at all. Uh, it is so you, important to go. When you get to participate in these things, Yes, it is just so worth your time. And I understand um, a lot of people have young children or even yes. older children. My kids are a little bit older, but boy, when I leave for a Saturday, you know, it's hard. It's really hard to be gone. Yeah, when you have little ones. Um, I've had, I've seen at sessions, people who, who bring their little ones with and, yeah. you know, depending on the presenter and the situation, sometimes it's fun to have kids. Yeah. There they're like the star of the session. So if you ask ahead of time, you might be able to bring your kid along. Exactly. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your experience at Oak in Oklahoma City this year. Oh my gosh. It was amazing. Just, I, I cannot say enough how it was such a well-organized conference. So shout out to the conference planning committee they did an amazing amazing job um everything just ran so smoothly they had really wonderful presenters and performing groups and you know the the amazing thing about this is the organization of american kodai educators by the way in case you don't know what oak or oak stands for um they are it's it's a it's a really lovely group of people 
and you see these people who you've read about, you've heard about, you probably have their books, you know, Jill Trinkle, Lamar Robertson. Yes. And you see them and you talk to them and it's like, yes, they are people too, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And they are so loving and so giving and so willing to share of themselves and their ideas because they want to further this, this mission of Kodai's mission, you know, for us as music educators. Um, and what we do for our kids every day. And so it's so lovely to be able to see these people in, in person and not only go to their sessions, but there's always some social events in the evening, receptions and things you can go to, and there they are. And everyone's there dancing and singing and maybe having a cocktail. And it's just so lovely just to be able to to see these people as real people yes. <laughs> as well as the amazing you know, professionals that they are as well. So... Um, and this was kind of my last conference for me to, well, not last ever, but for a while to really just go as a participate and soak it all in because I am now officially on, on the, the board, board as Western think? Division President, which is, I'm so excited and honored to be able to do that. But I also know that that means taking on a lot of extra responsibilities yeah. during conference. And yeah, but I'll you'll be, be able to. I'll be able to yeah. enjoy, absolutely. But I just, this year, I was really just nice to be that fly in the wall and just right. um, soak it up and enjoy you'll all the You'll be a sessions. different fly on I'll the wall. I'll be a different type of fly yes. on the wall. And it's, I, it's a yeah. different experience when you get to volunteer and, and help serve. I served on the board for three years as a member at large. And it is different being there um, when you were on the board. You, you have to go early, you have to stay late yeah. a little bit, and um, but you but, get but to you know get to participate. And, it's, and you still get to participate, absolutely. Yes, and you get to help, and it's very exciting because uh, you get to be part of that and making sure everything goes smoothly. It's a, it's a tad stressful around conference time, but... Um, yeah, I mean, you're busy, no doubt, but it's, it's again, all worth it. But yeah. this year, I, I had a couple meetings I went to on Sunday, but other than that, I was really just able to soak it all in yes. and just be a participant, which was really fun. So I'll just kind of rattle off a couple of the sessions that I went to mm-hmm. and some of the highlights. So I started um, in Rachel Gibson's session, which was called Living Traditions, Children's Songs and Singing Games from Central America. Ooh. And being at a school with a high Spanish-speaking population, I'm always trying to get more songs in Spanish. Um, now, these were more from Central America, where most of my students are from Mexico, but just having songs in Spanish, I think, is really meaningful for my students. And oh, nice. she had a wonderful session, lots of really fun games. And she spent a lot of time in Guatemala, and there was somewhere else. I can't remember off the top of my head, but she had videos and, like, field recordings that oh, she herself lovely. did. So she would go to these elementary schools and work with the teachers and the students and did her own field research. Awesome. And so to see videos of the children themselves playing the games was just so beautiful oh, and so lovely. Wonderful. And I just always love that research that goes into it. Yeah. So that was a really excellent session. Um, I went to Marla Butkey's uh, session about blending Dalcro's Eurythmics in the Kodai classroom. Oh, I had she, no idea there was going to be some. Yeah. So something that they really try to do at the OAKE conference is bring in professionals from other music making organizations, such as the National Orf you know, people and the doll pros people. And so um, Marla Butke is part of AES, which is the American Eurythmics Society, which I've done a little bit of training with. Yes. With Fritz Anders from Colorado. Who is fantastic. Who is amazing. We will and have him um, sometime. Yes, yeah, so we want a special just special session with Fritz. A little interview. Named. But um, Dr. Butke was excellent. And um, she really talked about how, yes, doll crows, it is it's its own philosophy 
but there are so many things that you can weave into your, your Kodai teaching right. um, that really naturally go well together. I mean, we move in Kodai classrooms, course, yes. you know, <laughs> so here are just, and it was, it was a lot of like technique things, which I love, like instead of just a really bland clap, how can you clap more musically? Right. How can you move more musically? So I just really appreciated that. And it's just a great reminder of, yes, when I'm moving with my students, how can I model better? Right. How to move in a more musical way. So that was really lovely. Um, there were some wonderful concerts. One of my favorite concerts that I got to see was the group Allegro Con Brio, oh. which is a women's choir from Kansas City, I believe. And they had such an amazing program of literature. It was really inspiring. Um, their director, whose name I don't remember off the top of my head, but they were, she did an amazing job of programming and a lot of really beautiful literature. So if you're in the Kansas City area and you're ever able to see that choir, they were excellent. And it's so nice at OAKE that they bring in some top-notch performing groups. Yeah. But it's kids. And it's it's real kids, you wow. know, that you can see and you can get some ideas for literature, but just also be inspired. At, it's wonderful, wonderful thing. So I have a little aside. I, I hadn't yeah. even asked you. Did you get to watch the, the children's choirs perform, uh, rehearse or anything? I did not go to the rehearsals, which I'm really kicking myself for. I, I kind of forget sometimes It's that hard to make on. it over there because there's always these There's always great sessions. sessions, exactly. But I did get to go to the concert, mm -hmm. which was Saturday night. So this was the, the children's honor choir, and they have a fourth, fifth choir, and then they have a middle school choir. And there's a chamber choir of high schoolers, with, which include boys with changed voices. But mm -hmm. then there's a, a women's choir, high school women's choir. And yeah. it was just beautiful. I have not, I had not, I, I've been, I've gone to several OAKE conferences. And it wasn't until my son was singing in the children's choir in Long Beach a couple of years ago. Yeah. That I attended the rehearsals. And that was just Yeah, I'm going to make amazing. a point to go, even just for 10 minutes, just to get some ideas. Um, I had some, some friends who went, and they said it was really fun yeah. to watch, and they picked up some really great rehearsal techniques. And especially things. seeing someone with that amount of kids. I mean, yeah. yes, they, they come in knowing the music, but they have a lot of work to do. Oh, yeah. And so much about choir is building community, and how can you do that in such a short amount of time? Yeah. But, um, yeah, the choirs were excellent. So some of the other sessions I went to, I went to Amy Abbott's session. Amy's from always Colorado. wonderful, yes. She did. She had two sessions, but I was only able to make it to one, which was um, upper elementary songs and games. And so that was really fun um, because a Amy is really good at that. And, and you always get a lot games. of material from Amy. Yes. It's it's bam, 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 bam. Yep. <laughs> but so worth it. And um, and I should say this about, you know, Amy and as, about a lot of presenters is, you know, you and I, Tanya, have been doing this for a little while. You were longer, a little longer than me. So when I go to workshops and conferences, even though I might look at the notes and think, oh, I know that song. Oh, mm -hmm. I know that game. I still go because there's always like a little kernel that I can take away that's new, like a little twist on a game or a song. That or a way I to introduce it yes. or just something you hadn't thought about, a connection exactly. to another activity that maybe yeah. you hadn't entertained. Yeah, I totally agree. Or it's just inspiring to be around these people. So like Joe Kirk, for example, who was both of oh, our level yes. one. Mrs. I went Joe. to Joe Kirk's session. She also did a, an upper elementary session. Oh, and wow. even though I knew a lot of her literature, because I've had her for levels and I've seen a lot of her workshops, just being in her presence is very me. inspired. Yeah, because inspiring. she just oozes with musicianship, mm -hmm. with joy. Her big thing After is joy. After my first year of uh, my 
level one training in Kodai, I, uh, that whole next year, I was always saying, what would Joe do? Exactly. What would Mrs. Joe do yes. in this situation? Yes. So, yeah. And she's so just, just being with her makes me feel like, okay, I'm on the right track. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm doing the best I can do. And she just inspires me just to be a better teacher, a better musician, a better person. Oh, and yeah. just remember the joy. It's all about joy. And Mrs. Joe just oozes with joy. She so does. And she's so fun. And uh, someone else who I always make sure I go to their sessions, no matter what, is Jill Trinka. Of Same course. Thing. Yes. So unbelievably You need inspiring. to soak up all the Jill Trinka you can when you have that opportunity. Yes. Mm -hmm. So she did a session. Um, it was like a Woody Guthrie tribute since <gasps> oh, we were in Oklahoma City. And, you know, this land is you and me. Uh, this, you know, it was, it was all kind of tied into... Um, the theme of the conference. Right. And, this um, land is your land. This land is your land. Yeah, I don't know what I just said. Um, but just being around Jill and, and hearing her sing and just... Did she play too? Did she accompany herself? You know, she did it. And I was feeling a little sad. I was hoping she would play a little dulcimer for us. But no, she had, you know, really great authentic field recordings well, sure, as yeah. always. Um, but no, she did not play on either of her sessions. Well, and then her session just yesterday Sunday morning she did the the closing session of the whole conference right was um about children's game songs in uh african-american and african traditions yes and so it was you know all acapella things of course you know, it yeah. was it was just singing street games, games. um she really reminded us about you know really going to the root and finding original sources for she some of these always, songs and games. She, she really drives that home oh, in yes. everything she does and which again, is it's excellent. Such a good reminder that you know especially if if when you're young and you're starting out sometimes your only um, access to these materials are through textbook series. Mm -hmm. And you have these recordings of children singing in their very Anglo voices. Yes. You know they're crystal pure tone which has a time and a place but mm -hmm. when you're doing these traditional African and African American songs and games, you know, they need to be pitched well, the, lower. Yeah, the tonal range is going to be lower. Yes. There's going to be much more stylistically. Yes. Um, I don't know how you say it. I like a loose, a looser rhythmic structure. Things are going to swing in the African American tradition. Yes. It, yeah. But then she really also drove home the point where then you can still use these songs and games for reading activities mm -hmm. that yeah when you're singing a song and you're playing the game you're you're swinging the rhythms a little bit you're you're scooping up into the notes a little bit because that's stylistically correct but when then you sit down and you are pulling out an excerpt from a song for reading purposes it's okay to straighten out the rhythms and right. straighten out what you're singing for reading purpose in her book little black bull is the first one that she did where she gives you the abstract of the melody yes. and the rhythm with all of the scoops, with all of the um, funky rhythms taken out. So this is how you would use it in the classroom. Yeah. Yeah. So um, if you don't have any Jill Trinka volumes, I really suggest that you, uh, and you're wanting to buy some. Yeah. It can be a little intimidating if you are coming at it not having any Kodai training. But Little Black Bull is like the, the go-to. Yes. In my opinion. Yeah. And uh, I'm not sure if they come with the CDs or if you have to buy the CDs additionally any longer, but... But get oh, the CDs. Get the CDs. <laughs> and not so yeah, much to play singing. for your students, but to play for yourself. Right. So you get a feeling. And yes. whenever possible, you also want to track down other recordings of those songs, like yes. authentic recordings. Yeah. If if the Lomaxes, you know, have recordings of that. But this is all 
within the scope of your, your Kodai Levels training, where you'll really dive in. And if you have not had Kodai Levels training, there is um, a lot within your training where you talk about finding authentic sources mm-hmm. and song collecting and the importance of remaining um, authentic to the original intent of, you know, said folk song. Yeah, and Jill talked about that in her session too. How the the Lomax collection of field recordings mm-hmm. is now on it's the, available it's available for free online. Yes. The Smithsonian Folkways, is yes. that what it's called? Yes. So we'll put a link to that because oh, even yeah. if you're kind of new to the Kodai world and that sounds overwhelming, if you just go and start poking around in there, I guarantee you will be inspired. Yes. And be oh, and it's just so much fun. Just like as a as a music lover, yes. just to sit there. And to like, oh my gosh, listen to this. Oh, yes. let's hear this version of it. It's just fascinating. And it is free because that is what Ellen Lomax wanted. When he did those field recordings, he wanted for musicians, music educators, musicologists to be able to spread the good word, so to speak, right. about what these authentic songs sounded like. And, you know, the farther away we get from these things generationally, I think the harder and harder it's going to be to keep that authenticity. Right. But we have all these but electronic we have, resources. Exactly. So let's and use that. To put it in context, I mean, when I started doing, when I started teaching, and this will age me, but whatever, I've been around for a long time. Uh, when I started teaching, I wasn't, I didn't have um, a computer. I didn't have a laptop. There was like a few in the in the library, but I did everything by paper, yeah. on, on paper, projectors. overhead projectors, uh-huh. but even when we're talking about like recordings and this kind of thing, I, I know people, you know, other Kodai teachers who have gone to the Library of Congress and have gotten their library card and have sit in a room checking out, you know, songs, yeah, that, and this is how you had to do it yeah. to hear these authentic recordings. So, you know, you would have to take a trip and, or you would have to take a big trip and go to the actual place, go to the Appalachian Mountains, go to wherever, and um, hear from, you know, people who have had these songs within their families for years and years and years. And we are so, so fortunate now that this stuff has been recorded by some fantastic ethnomusicologists, and we can go and we can listen online, like within seconds. It's It's amazing. amazing. Yeah. So that's an example of some wonderful professional development you can give to yourself that's free. And you can sit you on can your couch, do it in your drinking your coffee or your wine. And just listen and, and just steep yourself in those oral traditions. Yeah, it's so it's very amazing. important. So, I mean, those are some of my highlights. There were so many other wonderful sessions. And, of course, that's the thing with the OAKE conference, as is with every conference, is there's always a block of time where I want to go to this session and I want to go to that session. Yeah. Um, but something that is really amazing about this conference is that, um, well, they do everything electronically, which is lovely through this guidebook app. Right. So your, your schedule, everything is there. A lot of and the notes are All on there the session too. notes are there. And I think I was, I was at one of the meetings where they were saying that every single presenter gave notes for the guidebook app. Now, oh. sometimes then once you went to the session, you got more detailed notes because mm-hmm. they could only put so many in the electronic version and there might be more pages. Yes. But at least if you can't attend the session, you have the access to the notes, which is so lovely. But if you can't so attend the I don't know about other, I, I've presented at Oak and I've presented um, here and there and... I always like to give like a hard copy of my oh, yeah. notes. And most people did. They and gave it's more extras. detailed because exactly. in my mind, 
I think you should really get more for showing up. So. Oh, yes. And I mean, I will say, I mean, Amy did this, Amy Abbott, and a lot of other presenters where then you went and they gave you freebies. Even more. Yeah. Oh, yes. I mean, like, they give you a QR code and then that sends you to a Dropbox where you get all these files. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm not saying, you know, don't go to sessions. Obviously, yes. go to But at to least the you have the skeleton If you, Yeah. Notes. If you had two sessions that you really wanted to go to both, you know. And, you know, this is maybe one of my pet peeves, and maybe I'm going to sound a little grandmaish about this, but when you go to a conference, if there are two sessions, don't go to one for half and then go to the other for the other half. I know, I understand the feeling where, like, you just want to get everything, but out of respect for the presenters, you kind of just need to go with it. And, you know, it might be at the sacrifice of going to another session, but... It, it shows respect to the presenters, right. and you never know. You might walk out of one session, and two minutes later, they do something amazing, yes. and you it just out. missed yeah. it. So do stick it out. Having been on that side as a presenter as well, and I yes. know Tanya's done a lot of presenting, you know, it's just, it's respectful if you just stay right. in the session. And I have made this error in the past. Yeah. Did I ever tell you about the time I walked out of a Kirby Shaw session oh. with a friend of mine? We were in college, and we were at um, CMEA, which is the Colorado Music Educators Association, conference and we went to the infamous I should say the famous Kirby Shaw yes um session on you know vocal jazz and all of this and um we we I don't know what I don't know why we were walking out I can't remember we were we were in college we were silly you didn't know better we didn't know better yes but anyway it was rude but uh Kirby Shaw called us out (gasps) oh my gosh yeah wow he stopped and he said where are you going girls okay now I guess I should have been offended by like the term <laughs> girls, but we were, and oh, we, were well, we were acting being rude, rude, so we deserved that. <laughs> and um, that's kind of funny. Yeah, kind of embarrassing. <laughs> well, but yes, I have been there, and I don't really don't know what my purpose was to walk out of Kirby well, Shaw. And I, I mean, I do get it, and I've been in those situations where I've been in a session, and I'm thinking, this is lovely, but maybe it's not quite meeting my needs of mm-hmm. what I need right now. And I know next door there's a session going on, but you know, just I just, I'm going to stay in there stick out it of out. respect to the presenter yes. and the people around me. I'm just going to stick it out. Yeah. And speaking as a presenter yeah, and you, the show must go on. It's not like I don't stop the word. If someone walks out of no. my session, but I do have a brief second of like, Oh, oh, I'm oh, no. sorry. Did I offend you? <laughs> <laughs> they hate this. Yeah. Okay, well, moving on. Presenters notice yes. people when you walk out. And so, you know, there's a way for you to give feedback, like in this guidebook app, mm-hmm. people could rate and no one else can see the ratings, but it's just feedback for the presenter and you can leave comments. And so as a presenter, I really do enjoy reading comments of how I can better present and better give information to people. But walking out halfway through is not the best way to no, provide that feedback. And it not. might be a legit reason. Like, maybe you just really have to go maybe to the bathroom. I, yeah, exactly. But um, <laughs> other than that, you know. And if you have, absolutely have to uh, walk out, just be discreet. Be discreet. It's kind of like when you're at a concert and you, if you absolutely have to, or yes. in a show, you wait till the applause. Well, yes. in this case, you would wait. In between, in between a sections, song and activity, activities, sure. and it's really fun if you do go to a conference with some friends, you know, and you and you you talk about it ahead of time, like, hey, I'm going to go to this session, you go to this session, and then we can chat about it afterwards, brief, right? Um, because yeah, you can't get to everything, which is sad. That's the sad part about it. But there is so much um, to do. So the next OAKE conference will be 
2019, March, in uh, Columbus, Ohio. Columbus, Ohio. And we would love to see you there. I'm yes. sure there's going to be things soon on the OAKE, OAKE website about that. And, yes. Uh, it, it's always such a great time. It is. And, you know, if, if, a, if a national conference is just too overwhelming, too expensive, I get that. It's, it's not cheap. Um, you know, look for opportunities, local workshops in your area. Mm-hmm. So if you go to OAKE.org, the, the National Kodai um, Organization of American Kodai Educators website, there's a place where you can click on chapters. and You can and, click on a big old map. Yes, and then find the chapter closest to you and see what workshops they're offering in your area. And again, just giving up that one Saturday is going to be so worth it. Right. And this is not to say you shouldn't go to other workshops as yes, well. Yes, and that's what I was going to say, Because I do attend um, ORF workshops from time to Absolutely. time. Absolutely. There's a few ORF presenters that I'm like, well, you know, if Doug Dalton comes to town, I'm there. Yeah. If Rob Abkin comes to town, I'm there. Yes. So it's really worthwhile to also explore yes. the ORF chapter, the Del Crows chapter, um, any, anything else that's happening. Yeah. And, of course, your state music conference is always going to be a great place to go. And um, sometimes you can get uh, um, first-time rates yes. or um, friend-of-a-member rates. Mm-hmm. I know that Rocky, our regional organization of Colorado Kodai Educators, uh, has a bring-a-friend rate. Yes. Which um, I wish I would have, yeah. you know, a long time ago uh, been able to get in on that. And, yeah. and it's pretty inexpensive. And a lot of the local chapters of any of these organizations I know offer mentorship um, opportunities. Yes. So if you're um, a young teacher, if you're a new teacher, and you just really want to have a mentor, you should definitely reach out to your local chapter and ask. Or if you're an older teacher. Well, yeah, and you just want some new ideas. Exactly. So this might be a good way to transition into um, the lifelong learning aspect of, of music teaching, of music making, and of professional development because I just want to, well, we're going to talk a lot about um, training and professional development in a, in a bigger scope and specifically Kodai Levels training. But as an older experienced teacher, I just really want to emphasize that you always have something to learn. Oh, absolutely. And I have been teaching for 23 years now, but I still go to chapter, um, you know, the Rocky workshops. Mm -hmm. I still attend other sessions because like Carrie had said earlier, if you can get even just like a little kernel of, oh, this is different than I do it, or, oh, wait, I I never thought about um, doing this as a partner song with this, or even just how it's um, presented, then it's just worth your while. And just to to keep yourself uh, learning and um, not even trying new things, but just experiencing new things. Yes. Because it's really easy as a music teacher over the years to really get set in your ways mm-hmm. and to say, okay, well, you know, we're doing Zudio, and I always do Zudio this way. I present it this way, this way. This. And it's nice to get some fresh ideas and weave them in if you, you know, feel that it's appropriate and if you feel that it's something that would go well. Um, your classroom is going to change over the years, not just in your teaching, but in the kids that are coming in and you got to teach to the kids that are in your room. Absolutely. Not to the kids that were in your room like 10 years ago, because it's going to be a completely different, yeah, different things, um, different kids, different, um, as society changes so very quickly, uh, kids come in with strengths in one area and, um, deficits in another area. And you've got to just be able to know how to reach your children 
and going to all these uh, professional development things is one way that you can get some fresh ideas. Yeah, and not even necessarily music professional development too. If there's opportunities for something that your principal might send you to, like for example, my school is really wrapping its brain around restorative justice and restorative practices. Mm -hmm. And um, I would really love the opportunity. I'm actually going to email him this week to ask him because he's offered to send teachers. Hey, I was going to do that too. Yeah. We should do it together. We could do it together. So, you know, uh, it doesn't even necessarily have to be music related. It could be a classroom management opportunity. It could be a, a leadership opportunity or curriculum planning. That's not necessarily music, but that you can apply it. So, you know, I, I think as music teachers, I know I've fallen into this where if my principal says, hey, there's this this workshop or there's this opportunity, I say, well, well, I'm not a classroom teacher. That's, that's mm-hmm. not for me. But if you put yourself out there and re- you can really get some really great ideas to apply to your music yes. classroom. You got you to gotta balance it, though, because there's, there's so much. Oh, there is. And yeah, I'm always going to choose yourself. a music well, of course. thing over. Of course. You know. Um, I'm sure others can uh, commiserate. I have been, uh, well, I've had to sit through several things that don't apply to me. Oh, at all. we all do. And once upon a time, yes. I used to try to make it work in my world. Like, I would sit there and go, okay, well, how can this relate to me? And how can I bring this in? And I'll be honest that these days, um, I, I'm not uh, curmudgeon about it, but, but these days I'm like, well, I understand what's happening in the other classrooms, it's yeah. not going to work for me. Because yeah. on the flip side, you just can't incorporate everything that you, it's, it's when you get excited about all of these things that are, that other people are doing, it's easy to just jump in with both feet and go, I'm going to do all the things, all the things, all the things, <laughs> but you really can't. You so can't do all the things you, really well. You got to kind of so. <laughs> weigh it in your own mind. It's like, okay, so realistically, is this something that I'm going to take back to me? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. That's why, I mean, I think it's more like the classroom management type things. Definitely. I mean, it would be worth attending. If if your principal is offering to classroom teachers, don't be afraid to say, hey, I'd like to attend that. Right. Especially if they're going to provide you with the sub and pay for it. Yes. Then I might take advantage of that opportunity. Totally. You know? Yeah. But on to more specific music um, lifelong learning and teacher music, music education, lifelong learning, we wanted to just touch on Kodai levels because here is the time, we're in the springtime officially, and this is the time where people are making decisions on if they want to be taking Kodai level or an ORF level or even some Delcro's professional Mm -hmm. development. Um, And then um, I I always leave out music learning theory because it's not really big in our neck of the Area, woods, right. but I know it's that that's out there. Out there. Yes. Oh, and then Fire Robin, yes. um, professional de- development also. And um, if you were thinking about any of those things, now's the time to get signed up for these yeah. these things. And something that I forget too, but being at OAKE, we were talking about a lot, there's lots of scholarship opportunities there available. There are, yes. Um, through national organizations, chapters, um, our Western Division is actually just right now in the process of getting an application out for scholarships for people as for well. For individuals? For individuals oh gosh, to go to, awesome. to levels training. So, I mean, reach out again to your local chapters or national organization of whatever mm-hmm. levels training you are interested in because there might be scholarships out there. And for some of it, I know through the Oak National, uh, um, it's usually uh, your level two or your level three that you apply for those big scholarships. Yes. Um, and, it, and it happens a few months uh, into the fall. Right. I wrote some letters of recommendation. I'm trying to remember how long ago that was. Um, 
but you really have to know that you are good at. So if you take level one, right. you're like, oh, I am on fire to take level two. I cannot wait. Oh no, I need some money, money. to do this. Yeah. Then you want to start looking into that like in August. Right. But there are lots of scholarships out there for first timers too. Yes, there are. Level one. Yes. And they might require you to become a member of the organization. It usually but, does. But because, you know, there has to be some, some give and take. But it's well worth it because not only can you apply for the scholarship, but now you have a cheaper rate for workshops and for national conferences and you get the publication. And again, I know it's hard to be a member of everything if yes. you're a member of, you know, NAFME and your and your local state organization, and then you want to become a member of OAKE and, and AUSA, AUSA and, and all. It does get expensive, so you might have to kind of, you know, pick and choose. Pick and choose. But you know, I will always be a member of OAKE because that's what resonates best with me, yes. and I know that's where I'm going to get the most bang for my buck. So you have to choose what's right for you. So and what opportunities are in your neck of the woods. So speaking of what's right for you, I mean, we are kind of preaching to the choir. We're preaching to the choir directors. Probably. Yeah. Um, <laughs> these are, um, we're thinking that people who might be listening right now are already Kodai trained or thinking about Kodai training or maybe not. And, and maybe you just haven't found it well, or maybe you've had um, experiences, great experiences with several different things. But uh, shall we like tell our little Kodai story and how, how we went came to it? Oh, well, sure. I mean, I can be short about it. Yeah. Okay. You go first. I'll go first. Um, okay. So, uh, Jill Trinka. It's really yeah. all back to Jill Trinka. It's all about Jill. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so when I started teaching, I did not have any Kodai experience at all. I was just fresh out of college. I had had, like many of us had, um, some basic music, elementary music methods class. Mm -hmm. And we mm -hmm. did like, oh, this week is Orf week. And this week, we, I don't even think we got a Kodai week. I think it may be like a Kodai paragraph oh, in the text. Yeah. Um, little Delcros. A lot of just um, not connected to any specific philosophy. Sure. I remember we had to write up elementary music lessons and then we had to do them. You know, do them with it's the rest of class. It's hard to all in one little semester. Yes. And so you had that notebook of like, ooh, uh, me and all my classmates, we all did a lesson. And I, I tell you what, my first year of teaching, and I took that little notebook, and I was like, hmm, no, not so much is yeah. this, any of this viable or working. Anyway, so I really, my first three, my first year lasted three years. Yeah. You know how people say the first year is the hardest, you're yeah. floundering around, you don't know what you're doing. For me, three years. Three years that. of floundering. Yes. Yeah. And um, I was attending ORF workshops. I was teaching in New Mexico at the time in Los Alamos. And um, ORF workshops were happening. And so that was great to go to. So I would take that material and I would like play it for all it's worth um, during the next couple weeks or maybe a month. Uh, but I really did not feel like I was teaching. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I'm not slamming the ORF experience that I had, um, or those workshops, because, you know, those are workshops. Those are not training. Right. Had I had ORF level training, I'm sure it would have been different, but yeah. so I just felt really unfocused, undirected. I felt like a overpaid music camp director yeah. or something. Yeah. Like I was just going from music activity to music to activity, but there was no, there was no curriculum behind it. There wasn't a curriculum in the district at the right. time. And I just didn't know what I was doing. Well, then I think in my um, second or third year, I was at Albuquerque where they had their New Mexico State Conference. 
and went to a workshop with someone named Dr. Jill Trinka. Oh. And who is uh, this wonderful who is lady? This? Yeah, so I went to a two-hour thing there, and I went, oh, my gosh, what is this? Yeah. This is awesome. I love this music. I love her songs. I love her approach. What is going on here? Right? Yeah. Um, so she was not, she did not say the K word. K word. <laughs> yeah. She did not mention Kodai. And yeah. this was oh, quite a while ago. Um, but during this, this workshop, it was very interesting. And this was uh, pre-internet, people. Uh-huh. So I, actually, I think um, America Online was happening. But that was, uh, you know, oh, yeah. that was all that AOL. was happening. AOL. AOL was your internet <laughs> experience, and that was it. Yeah. Uh, so it's not like you could go out and, and, you know, just track down levels training. So there was no, at that time, no levels being taught in New Mexico. Um, I w- I'm originally from Colorado. And so I was spending the summers um, a little bit in Colorado still. And there was no levels training in Colorado at that time. Mm -hmm. So I had to wait a few years. And then finally, we got the very first Kodai uh, training course, level one, that was happening. And um, Joe Kirk was was teaching level one. We were it. It was only level one. Yeah. And uh, it was at Colorado State University, which is still our um, Kodai Institute. Yes. And I am very, very fortunate to be the level one teacher right now. Yeah. Full and circle. Yay. For full circle. That's so cool. Um, so, but just after I took my level one, um, it was just like, I, I was going to leave teaching. Yeah. Because I didn't know what I was doing. And yeah. I was just miserable. And I just, I needed direction and I needed structure. And I didn't know how to do any kind of, not just lesson planning, but like lo- longer scope and sequence planning yeah. and curriculum. I had no, I just didn't know where I was going. And the structure of of the Kodai philosophy, in addition to just the music, uh-huh. like the, the songs that um, I was being exposed to was just like, wow, I can sing this like 500 times and still be happy about it. Yeah. And um, that was just it for me after my level one training. I just really knew I was all in and this was the philosophy that spoke to me. Yes. And uh, so ever since then, I've just been trying to up my learning and up my education. And um, I did my level one, level two, level three. Um, and I just thrilled to, to have this philosophy. It, it's just everything that I already was feeling about my philosophy of music education had a name and I just didn't know it Yeah, because and during structure, yes, to it. during that my level one, it. you know, all these, these things in pedagogy that Joe Kirk was mentioning, I was like, Oh my gosh, I think that too. Yes. Oh wow. I feel like that too. Yes. And so it, it just was, gave me the direction. It gave me in. the direction. I seriously would not be a music teacher any longer if I had not found some code I training. So it was completely, not just like career changing, but life changing. Yes. Because I felt like, okay, now I'm on a mission. Now I know exactly how to start. And now I know why I'm teaching elementary music. Right. And I wouldn't have it any other way. So I know that's kind of rambly, but. No. And that segues then perfectly to my story, because not only then were you so inspired for yourself, you wanted to preach it to the masses. And so you came to my district. I did. Yes. So I was. I was. I think that was my very first um, full day. uh, Was it a full day? I think it was a half day. It was a half day. But it was still. It was my very first long 
yeah. you know, presentation. So it was, I believe, my second year of teaching, and kind of similar to Tanya's story, you know, I mean, everyone starts off going, okay, now what? I yeah. mean, I will say that I think I would, I did have a good elementary Methodist experience. Our elementary Methodist teacher in undergrad had some Kodai training. Not sure if she had all three levels, but I think she had at least level one. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, we did the, here's a little bit of Orphan, but I remember feeling like Kodai spoke to her, mm-hmm. and then therefore <laughs> we got a lot. Um, I know she started, uh, studied with Mary Getze in Indiana, so I think she gave us a lot of great tools. Um, so I left undergrad knowing that I was probably at some point going to get Kodai trained and knew that it was out there, but then moved to Colorado, and then just the day-to-day teaching world takes over, and you just don't have time to think about that. Yeah. And, I opened up Share the Music, book one, page mm-hmm. one, and just really taught out of the textbook because I didn't really have many other resources to draw upon. And, you know, it just wasn't going well. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we were lucky to have Tanya come and do a little half-day professional development. And I said, yes, here are my people. Like, your packet that you gave us was just, like, on my desk Aww. for the rest of the year and that was I mean not just to give me ideas for the lesson that day but just a reminder and inspiration of this is what teaching really looks like it's joyful it's exciting the kids and as soon as I started playing these songs and games that you taught me all of a sudden the engagement level went way up classroom management I won't say it fixed everything that never does um, because it was still only my second year of teaching I taught in kind of a a rough highly impacted area yes um but I noticed that just the kids took to it in a way that I could not have expected right um and so there you go and then I signed up for level one so the year after you finished level three then was my level one so we were like a full little generation behind each other so I was in the fourth graduating class of Colorado which is actually a perfect place to be yeah, because I think, yeah, a lot of kinks the, the get, kinks and bugs worked out, worked and it out, was yes. such an amazing high-quality program. I had Joe Kirk for level one, yes. Sue Lighthold, Bocock for level two, and then I was fortunate to have Ann Eisen, who wrote the one American of the books, Methodology. American Methodology, with Lamar Robertson, and so talk about like going straight to the source with that, mm-hmm. um, and it was just so inspiring, and I mean, it does, it might sound cheesy, but it truly is life-changing. Yes. Because not only did it change me as an educator, it changed me as a musician. Because going to those solfege and musicianship courses, mm-hmm. oh my goodness. I mean, ear, I love ear training and I love theory and that's always been kind of my jam. But <laughs> it takes it up to a whole never. Oh, but it's so level. much fun. And it's so fun. I just, um, oh. And, you know, Code I believed and we all believe that, you know, you have to be your best musician to be your best music teacher. Yes. You know, this is not a those who can't do teach situation. Mm-hmm. This is those who can do, do it extremely well. And, and therefore then teach, then it. teach yes. it. Like Kodai so, said, everyone, and this is a loose, I'm not a verbatim. Loose, yes, yeah, everyone's concerned about who's in the opera house, but we need to be concerned about who's teaching kindergarten because therein lies the power to kill Yes. The love of music yes. for gen- a generation. Yeah, we need to be our best musicians to be able to pass that on to yes. our students. And students that spoke can, to can me see so much. Can see a phony. Yes. And so, you know, if you're not singing as best as you could or being as musical as you can, that's what you're passing on to your kids. Yes. So, anyways, um, amazing. And then 
like through Tanya and the, and the local Rocky, you know, chapter, then getting involved in the professional organization was then what kept me going. Because, oh, yeah. you know, you can get your levels training and then you can still go hide in your classroom. Sure. But then taking it to the next level and joining the professional organization, getting involved in the board, mm-hmm. you know, that has what has sustained me throughout all of this, too. Because like you said, I'm constantly going to workshops and getting new ideas. I don't just say, okay, I took my level three quad eye training. I'm done now. I can go teach in my classroom because I'm now an expert. You're never an expert, right. ever. No, I am not so, an expert for sure. So that's my Kodai story. I'm so yeah. thankful to Tanya. Oh, and boy. I mean, and really, and just Colorado State and their program there is is really top notch. Yes. Um, and the amazing thing now that's different than when you and I did it is, you know, there's so many um, master's programs that involve getting getting your levels. Mm-hmm. So, like at Colorado State, you get your levels in the summer, but then to complete your master's, you're doing your coursework during the school year. Yeah. And there's lots of programs out there like that. Um, so you can, you can still teach. Actually, you you know what? I was just, um, hearing that there might not be a lot of programs that are like the Colorado State University one where you you can get your master's specifically with a Kodai emphasis. Well, that's true. You're right about that. And, um, there are, yeah, well, we're very fortunate that we have that program at CSU Uh and I got my master's from CSU, as you know, but before they had any online courses during the school year. So all of my classes were brick and mortar, you had to sitting drive in the classroom there. in the summertime. So in the summertime, there's like four weeks of uh, classes, and then you do your your levels. So there was like, there was like five solid weeks of, of classes, um, including the Kodai training. Um, but actually, it was kind of strange because <coughs> they didn't start the the masters um, at CSU until I was getting my level three. Right. So my master's took twice as long because <laughs> right. I did my Kodai training first, and yeah. then I had to fill in with all of the classes, but it worked out. Yeah. Uh, but really, what you had said before about when you bring it into the classroom and when you are teaching students, and the students, wow, the response, not just yes. their enjoyment, but like, wow, they really are learning to be musically literate. Yes. And that, for me, was like, I'm teaching. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I'm like for real teaching. Yeah. And to me, the true compliment also came from um, the middle school teachers. Oh, yeah. Who started to notice after a while that, wow, the kids who are coming from your program, they're musically literate. They're they're able to come in and just pick up their instrument and start playing rather than I don't have to teach them how to read and how to play the instrument. Right. I'm teaching them how to apply the instrument to their reading. And it wasn't perfect, and there's always glitches. Well, but sure. um, that, to me, was a great compliment to the work that I had done, that I was better preparing them for the yeah. next step. And you feel like you're not just the classroom teacher's planning time. No. Know? And you, you really have, I mean, it, there's a bit of personal responsibility that you have to take on and some integrity that you have to bring to it and say, okay, I have an incredible responsibility with these 30 little ones that are in my room that, um, like Kodai said, you know, I, I can, I I can, I can make it or break it. Yeah. And you want those children to love being musical. Yes. Love active music making. Mm -hmm. And, uh, oh, there's just so much to it. We could go on and on and on. And I just, yeah. Um, I, I just want to, emphasize if you are at all curious about Kodai Levels training and if you're on the fence about it, you should totally do it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And feel free to send us a message if you have specific questions. Yeah. And we'd be happy to help you out. Because I am happy to, to preach the word yes. of Kodai. Yes. Because uh, I, I really believe it and I've been so inspired 
not just as a music teacher, but just as a human, um, human being, a musical human being. smarter not harder teacher tip where we share a little nugget of information that might be helpful to you in your classroom yeah and Tanya's got one to share today well and you know I have to just come clean and say every time I think of these work harder work smarter not harder tips I always think um is are people saying well duh of course but you know possibly not possibly not take it for what it's worth so maybe these are things that you do anyway and then you pat yourself on the back and say yeah I do yeah exactly so (laughs) if nothing else you can go I'm cool I did that too yeah Mm -hmm. so I'm like I said before I'm in the midst of reorganizing and cleaning up some and once um I was looking in my cabinets I noticed something that I am currently right now trying to change I have a label maker Yes. And I have lots of boxes of manipulatives, as we all do. And um, I'm organized enough to have them all separated out into different boxes. But then I was looking, and all of my labels on these boxes are um, from my label maker. So it's like, you know, that white tape with the black lettering. Mm-hmm. And that, I guess, worked a little bit once. But um, I am going to go now full steam ahead with colored labels Ooh. and big print yeah so that I can see things from across the room that's true those this little is, labels are those tiny. little labels are tiny because I was on the other side of the room the other day when I was cleaning up stuff and I went okay I think that my popsicle sticks are over there Ooh, I see a little white label I wonder what that says and I can't read it and it's yeah. not just because I'm older but um you know so now uh and I don't have this done but I will have an hopefully definitely have an after picture but I'm going to color code um, my manipulatives that are in boxes. My labels for all of the rhythm ones are going to be uh, blue. My labels for everything that is specifically melodic, like let's say flashcards that are have melodies on them that are either in stick notation or just note heads on a staff, are going to be yellow. And then anything that is a combination is going to be green. Nice. Yeah. So, I mean, this is just a... I haven't done it. This only lives in my head right now. But it's a great idea. But anyway, uh, big labels. And I'm yeah. going to label the top of the lids also this time so that everything can stay, you know, with its oh yeah, with its bottom of the container. Yeah. And I'm going to label it on more than one side. Yeah. So anyway, take it no, for what it's that's worth. That's great. If that's not something have, I'm already doing, so yeah. I love it. But if you have already, like, nailed this, if if you are, like, a rock star in the labeling department, Please, would you let us know? Send us a picture. Send we us a picture. <laughs> we would love to um, have have some pictures we could post on Facebook. Yeah, that'd be fun. Because uh, even poking around on blogs and things, there's not a whole lot of music manipulative storage solutions right. uh, that I've seen posted. Yeah, we'd love to see yours. So anyway, that's that's mine. come to our CODA section where we recommend uh, something we've been enjoying in our teacher life or just our life life. 
Yes, yes. So tell us what you got, Carrie. Well, while I was at the Oak Conference, yes. you know, you always have to go shopping. Oh, yes. I, I was really good, and I didn't buy a million things. Good. But I always buy my children something, so I bought them each a Your children, children. My children, children. My personal children. You know, while well, mommy's gone, she has to buy a little something. Um, so I always buy them a book. That's yeah. always. And I... I'll tell the truth. It's a book that then I, I borrow and take of to my classroom. Yes. <laughs> but I usually find it's way back. But anyways, um, and then I, I bought a book for myself. And so um, inspired by being in Oklahoma City and inspired by Jill Trinka's amazing session on Woody Guthrie, I bought a beautiful This Land is Your Land picture book um, with illustrations by Kathy Jacobson. And it's just absolutely gorgeous. The pictures are very detailed. It tells a lot of the history of the song and Woody Guthrie. Guthrie, and I love that it includes the verses that not everybody always thinks about when they think of this land is your land, yes. which is not a not, happy patriotic song, no, people. not so much. Um, so it's but just, important to know It's about. an important song to the history of our country, and it's a lovely song. Anyways, so um, I highly recommend this book. If you don't already have it, we'll put a link to it in our show notes, but it's, it has beautiful illustrations. It's a beautiful book. It will always remind me of my time in Oklahoma city. And I'm kind of sad. I, even though she didn't write the book, I should have had Jill sign it because it was inspired by her session, but I didn't have it with me when I went to her final session. And that might've been cheesy, but she would have done it. She's so gracious and fun. She's wonderful. But that's mine. Okay. How about you, Tanya? What have you been enjoying lately? Well, I'm going to, um, mention something that is, um, a TV show that actually was 2016 when it came out, but uh, we're all Hamilton crazy yes. in Colorado right now in mm-hmm. Denver because Hamilton's in town. Yes. Uh, their last night is going to be, oh, in a week, April 1st. Yeah. On April Fool's Day. I didn't um, get to see it. I'm, I'm so sad. Sorry. Next time. Well, me and my family, we did, we were very fortunate that we did get tickets. I planned two years in advance to get tickets to yeah. Hamilton. Um, yeah. And it was fantastic, of course. And we've been listening to the revisiting the soundtrack again and again and again and again. Um, my my children are both huge fans. But um, I wanted to give a shout out to a little show called Drunk History. And uh, <laughs> you, it, it's a silly show if you're not familiar with Drunk History. It's where uh, people, um, the host Derek Waters, he uh, gets someone um, drunk. Yes. And then they talk about uh, a story from history. And there's usually a theme. Yeah. Uh, but so Lin-Manuel Miranda was on Drunk History. And this is going back to 2016, season four of Drunk History. Let me see. Episode, specifically episode nine. Yes. And he tells the story of Hamilton. Oh, great. But he includes, and, and he's drunk. He's had a few. Yeah, he's had a few. Uh, but while they're doing this, it's not just people hanging around, being drunk, talking. But they have then actors and quite well-known actors yeah. uh, come in and and act that they're in costume and they act it out. But of course, they act it out in the voices of whoever people who are telling the story. The people who are telling the story. Yeah. Yeah. So Lin Manuel Miranda <laughs> is saying, you know, and then Hamilton said, "Hey, whatever." And so the people who are acting it out, you hear Lin Manuel Miranda's voice. Anyway. Uh, but it's a fantastic episode, Yeah. not just because it's funny, but because he just has some really deep insights, of course, that you don't hear anywhere else. Even while having a cocktail. Even or while whatever. Having, yes, he's, he's very profound. I, yes. I really, he has this, this bit about Aaron Burr 
being very um, safe his whole life until it counted. You know, then, right. then he was kind of just uh, um, impulsive. Yeah. And then ha- Hamilton being the opposite about how Hamilton is, is very impulsive, like his entire life until, you know, the end where he was really thoughtful about how he wanted to go out. Huh. But anyway, there's, I, I'm not doing it justice. You got to go see it. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. I had to buy it. I, I mean, you have to buy it. I got mine on Amazon and um, it's an Amazon video thing that even if you're an Amazon Prime member, you're going to have to throw like three bucks at it, but totally worth it. I have seen it. Oh, oh, and David, Dave Grohl is in it too. Oh, which lovely. is like bonus. Yeah. Because I'm a huge Foo Fighters fan uh-huh. and um, yeah. So nice. he, he plays, uh, um, you know, not, not one of the central parts. Oh, I will say Hamilton's played by a woman. Which is also Which awesome. is awesome. But just go see it. It's fun time. And we're on spring break. I, I kind of have half a mind to like suggest that we have cocktails and watch watch this episode because it's fantastic. That sounds fun. Yeah. Maybe later. Maybe later. <laughs> We've reached the double bar line. Thank you for listening to Music Teacher Coffee Talk. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing, rating, and leaving us a review on iTunes to help others find this podcast. Show notes can be found on Tanya's blog, which is tanyaelementarymusic.blogspot.com. And we'll have a link to her blog from our Facebook page. Yes, and um, keep in touch. You can come to our Facebook page or um, look for us on Instagram under Music Teacher Coffee Talk. In our next episode, Carrie is going to take a little break. I will have Ellie Falter uh, in, and we will be talking about mindfulness in the music room. Ellie and I have done a couple of sessions on mindfulness in the music class, and we just really wanted to, to share some of our thoughts about that. So that will be the next episode. And until next time, this is Carrie. And this is Tanya, wishing you happy musicking. This land was made for you and me.